You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, you can look with me to John 16. We're going to look at one verse this morning. We'll get there in a minute. I want to begin with this question this morning. Have you ever had a dramatic experience in your life that marked your life? Like an experience that happened that so impacted your life that you remember it just as clear today as the day that it happened. I call, I call them defining moments. I would assume everyone's had at least one. Maybe you've had a number. I, well, I want to share with you an experience that has shaped my life, again, just as clear today as the day it happened. The day was July the 22nd, 2009. July 22nd, 2009. So let me t- give you the kind of the backstory to what happened on that day. My nephew um, had just graduated from high school, so I have one brother, an older brother. And so he called me and said, hey, uh, Nathan's graduated from high school. Why don't we celebrate this occasion, this accomplishment? said, I would like to go on a three-day fishing trip out the ocean. He said, would, he said, would you like to go? And I said, oh, I'd love to be a part of that. He said, well, I'm going to make some calls, and I'll gather some information, and I'll get back with you. So he called several charter companies down at Myrtle Beach, um, and this is what we discovered. It's really pricey to go on a three-day fishing trip. Uh, and so we said, whoa, uh, we love my nephew. We don't know if we love him that much. Uh, not really. We didn't say that. So I had an idea. I said, I, I said my best friend, I said, his brother owns a house at the beach, uh, Ocean Isle owns a house and has a boat, 22-foot boat. He goes out in the ocean. Like When he's down there, he goes out in the ocean every day and fishes. I said, why don't I talk with my best friend, have him talk with his brother to see if he could kind of like work us out a deal. So sure enough, my best friend talked with his brother, Eric. And this is what Eric said. said, hey, I would love to take the guys out. As a matter of fact, they can come down, stay in my beach house. said, all it will cost you is gas. How many of you know that's a good deal? Yeah. Good deal. All we have to do is cover the gas first boat. So we go down on this three-day fishing adventure. There were five of us. My brother, my nephew, Nathan, my best friend, Mike, the captain, the owner of the boat, Eric, and myself. Five of us on this fishing adventure. The first day, we went out about 15 miles. Um, caught a few bottom fish. It really wasn't a great day fishing. You know, I could tell a fisherman's story. And lie a little bit. You know how, you know, you catch one like this and it was, whoa, it was like this big. But it was, it was not a good day fishing. Uh, we had some fun, but uh, lots of laughs, but not a lot of fish. So second day we went out, and this, this day, it was Tuesday, we went out 16 miles. And pretty much the same story. Caught a few bottom fish, um, but nothing like we expected. Because we'd expected the big haul. Because we wanted our nephew to have this, you know, this remembrance this great experience the third day the final day of our fishing was a beautiful morning i mean think about being down at the beach sun coming up it was just one of those gorgeous days not a cloud in the sky um and so we're up early down to the dock into the boat we go out of the inlet at ocean isle and we head out into the ocean again wasn't windy wasn't stormy blue sky we go out about, I don't know, a half mile. You could still see the shore, so we, we're not that far out. About a half a mile. And the captain said, hey, we're going to catch some blues uh, to use for a bait. Now, I, did, 
you know, I grew up fishing in the creeks. I had no idea what a blue was. I have a friend named Blue, but I didn't think we were going to catch him. Maybe he said we were going to catch blues, whatever blues are, and they were going to be our bait for the day. So we turn the, he turns the boat parallel to the shore. Uh, and we're throwing back to the shore. So we all have our backs to the ocean. Uh, my nephew and my best friend are in the front of the boat. I'm standing right in front of the captain. He's to my right. And my brother is in the back of the boat. And we're just throwing to the shore using spoons. If you know what that is, not like a spoon you eat with. It's called a fishing bait called a spoon. We're throwing spoons back to the shore. Uh, and we're just laughing and talking. I mean, we're having a blast. Not catching anything, but we're having a blast. Um, and the captain is still at the wheel of the boat. And all of, all of a sudden I hear him say, boys, we're not going to make this. Now, how many of you know that's not what you want to hear? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I turn and look over my shoulder, and there's like this wall of water that's coming at us. It was a rogue wave, over 20 foot tall. And it's coming right at us, and we're parallel to it. We're not nose into the wave. We're parallel to the wave. 20-foot wall of water. And it literally created a trough, and it sucked that boat down into the trough and flipped that 22-foot boat like it was a matchbox. I mean, just like that, we were in the ocean. So I come up... uh, for those of you who are fishermen, you'll appreciate this. I come up and I still had my fishing pole in my hand. <laughs> I didn't know what the day was going to hold and I wasn't going to let go of it. I come up. My best friend Mike comes up. My nephew comes up. My brother had gone out the back of the boat. Funny side of the story. He went out the back. The propeller caught his shorts and ripped his shorts off. We had fun with that. <laughs> so four of us come up. But the captain didn't come up. In the midst of the boat being flipped, uh, he had hit the steering wheel of the boat with his chest, knocked the wind out of him. He was trapped under the boat. The water was really murky because of the size of the wave. He couldn't see. He couldn't figure out how to get out of the boat. So we're yelling uh, for the captain. Uh, Eric, was again, Eric's his name. We're yelling, Eric. Finally, he pops up. So here's the good news. Five of us are up. So, boat's upside down, but we're all alive. Um, now we're trying to figure out what are we going to do. Couldn't stand up. Again, we're, we could see the shore, but we were like half mile out. We tried to hang on to the bottom of the boat. The, it was really slick. Every time a wave would come, it would knock us off the boat. We'd get back on the bottom of the boat. We'd get knocked off the boat. And we were out there for, I don't know, I'm going to say maybe 45 minutes to an hour before someone finally saw us. They came, hooked a rope, a rope to the boat, towed us back in, uh, and we were exhausted. I mean, like, totally exhausted. I have a new appreciation for the power of the ocean. I had no idea. But today I have a greater respect for the ocean. If you're wondering, I haven't been back out in the ocean since that day, <laughs> nine years ago. And I've, all, I've also heard this saying, you know, uh, uh, a bad day fishing is better than a good day in the office. And I, I know a little different than that now. <laughs> but we had this experience that uh, so marked my life. It was a rogue wave. 
Didn't expect it. Gorgeous day, beautiful day. Came out of nowhere and flipped their boat. Let me tell you why I tell you that story. As I was thinking about that situation, I thought, wow, that is a parallel to what we're experiencing today as a church family. This congregation has been hit by a rogue wave. Didn't expect it. Didn't see it coming. Everything was great, going great, on target, on mission, excitement. Ten acres purchased, paid for. Began to think about a new facility. Can't get everybody in. Um, in the second service, out of space. I mean, we have all of these issues. Seems like, again, everything's wonderful. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here's a rogue wave. And what's it done? It's flipped our boat. It's created a crisis. And what do we do in those situations? I, that's what I want to talk with you about this. But I, want to, I want to share with you some lessons that I learned through that process of our boat being flipped going back to July the 22nd, 2009. But here's the reality. Even Jesus said this. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Let me restate that. Because I think we could say it like this and not violate the Scripture Jesus said, in this world, you will have rogue storms. In this world, you will have stormy times. Matter let's look at what he said. John 16, verse 33. It's on the screen. So let's read this together this morning. Would you read it with me? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So what's Jesus talking about here? If you look at the previous verses, Jesus is telling his disciples about what's, what, what's just before them. He's talking about his death. He's talking about the very thing that we're going to be celebrating this coming week. Good Friday going into Resurrection Sunday. Now here they've been expecting the Messiah. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They think that he's going to like rule on a throne. He's going to be the king who rules with authority and power. They're going to be a part of that. That's what they're expecting. They're not expecting a cross. A throne, not a cross. And Jesus knows that what's about to happen is going to wreck their world. So to speak, a rogue wave is about to hit the disciples. That's why he says to them, Hey, because of what's coming, I want you to know that in this world, in this world, you, you, you will have trouble. Now, out of, this, out of this statement, out of this verse, I think there's three things that we need to be aware of. Now, let me just really quick, if you, right there in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write these three statements down. Three things that Jesus says here that we need to be aware of. The first is this, is that Jesus predicted stormy times. If you look back to... Verse 33 says, in this world you will have trouble. Now, here's a question. How many of us want trouble? Nobody wants trouble. Listen, if you want trouble, you need a counselor. You're not, you're not healthy. You're not right. And none of us want trouble. Yet Jesus says, this is the reality of the fallen world we live in. Even if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will have trouble. I've heard people theologically incorrect, but I've heard people say, you know, just receive Jesus as your Savior, follow Him, and everything will be wonderful. Maybe for you, but that's not been my story. I've had a few rogue waves in my life. Following Jesus. 
Listen, the reality is in this world we will have trouble. So Jesus predicts that. Listen, you are not going to have a trouble-free existence until you get to heaven. So between now and heaven, which is a perfect place without the presence of sin, well, you're going to have trouble. We have trouble, why? Because we live in a fallen world, folks. I mean, is the reality. I mean, just watch the news. Listen, it, stuff's re- like really messed up. Right? <clears throat> it's the reality of the world we live in. So first, Jesus predicts. He predicts stormy times. The second thing is we look to verse 33. In the midst of the stormy times, here's the good news. Jesus promised his peace. He predicted the stormy times. He promised his peace. If you look back to verse 33, Jesus said, I've, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You know, oftentimes we think peace is the absence of storms. And I would say that's, that's not reality. I would say peace is the presence of Jesus in the midst of the storm. The reality of Christ in me. The reality of, of Christ in you. So Jesus predicted stormy times. He promised his peace. Here's the third thing that Jesus wants us to be aware of. He provides through the storm. Through the, what he brings us provision for us as we're navigating through the storms of life. If you look back to verse 33 again, he, he ends with this statement, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus is saying, take heart because I'm, I'm going to be the one who overcomes. And because he is a part of us, what, that makes us overcome us. Because where's Jesus at today? In you, right? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then Christ, Christ resides where? In us, right? Hey, my confidence today, listen, my confidence is not that I'm the smartest guy in the room. Listen, I already know, I already know I'm not the sharpest knife in the box. I understand that. I'm not the, I'm not the brightest bulb. And the pack, I understand that. Listen, that's not my com- my confidence today is not how much I know or what I know or how talented I am. My confidence is in, is in this Christ and Christ alone. Amen. It's His provision in the midst of the storm. Jesus says, "Take heart, take heart. I've overcome the world, and because you're on my team, guess what? You win." Amen. Right? That's what He's saying. Listen. If you were even like the water boy or the water girl for Loyola Chicago last night, as they won, what? You would win. Because you're part of the team. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's promising that of his provision. So we have Christ in us. Actually, it's bigger than that. If you can think of it like this, and this is a little hard to get our minds around. But in you if, you, if you have received Christ as your Savior, then in you, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You have the Trinity that's residing within you. So when you're facing the storm, what you can have confidence because of the provision of Christ in you. You know, I love the scripture in Psalm 46.1. It's one of my favorite verses of scripture. I pray this quite often where God says this to us. He says, I'm a rock and a refuge, an ever-present help for you in time of trouble. Therefore, therefore, you will not fear. We don't have to fear. Why? Because we have help. We don't have to fear why? Because we have God on our side. We don't have to fear why? Because death, hell, and the grave has been defeated by Christ, and we are more than conquerors through Him. 
That's why we don't have to fear. So when the storm comes, when the rogue wave hits, we can face it with confidence. Why? Because of the presence, the reality of Christ in us. So much more than just surviving the storm. I really believe that God's plan is we would thrive through the storm. Now, obvious, I survived July 22nd, 2009. I survived the boat being flipped in the ocean, right? Come on, folks. If I didn't survive, what? I wouldn't be here today, right? I survived. But more than just survival, more than just surviving the storm that's hit this congregation, we want to thrive through it. So let me tell you what I learned from a boat being flipped in the ocean. The first thing is that rogue waves can come out of nowhere and wreck your boat. Listen, prior to this day, I didn't even know what a rogue wave was. I didn't know what a rogue wave was until I experienced a rogue wave. As I said earlier, on this particular morning, July 22, 2009, it was a gorgeous day. I mean, if it had been stormy, if it had been windy, if they had been predicting, you know, high seas don't go out, we wouldn't have went out. They said, I'm not real smart, but I'm not stupid, right? I wouldn't have went out. If they said, you know, you could lose your life out there, I wouldn't have went out. But it was a gorgeous day. It was a great day to go fishing. And we go out, and then out of nowhere, here's this rogue wave. Again, we didn't expect it. We didn't see it coming. One minute we're in the boat, the next minute we're in the ocean, and I'm wondering, how did I get here? Wow. So rogue storms, rogue waves can come out of nowhere and wreck your boat. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, wow, is that not exactly what's happened in this congregation? A rogue wave came out of nowhere. You didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. You didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. Who who would have ever thought that we would be in this place, in this time, in this season, in this experience today? And if I would have told you this three weeks ago, you would have said, you're crazy. That never happened, but it has happened. We didn't see it coming. As a staff, we didn't see it coming. As, As the lead pastor, I didn't see it coming. As elders and council members here in this congregation, we didn't see it coming. This rogue wave that came out of nowhere. And it's wrecked their boat. See, that, that happens. That is, that is the reality. And Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Peter makes this statement that at least encourages me to some degree. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering. Don't let it catch you by surprise if something strange were happening to you. Here's the reality. In your life personally, maybe in your marriage, in your finances, Certainly for us as a church family, rogue waves can come out of nowhere and blindside you. Wreck your boat. Flip your boat. When it happens, what do we want to do? We want to pray. We want to pray. That's the second step. Second thing I learned. We want to pray. We We want to invite God into the situation. We want to when the boat was flipped, and I, I was thrown, I, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to gauge distance. I was thrown at what seemed to be about 15 to 20 feet away from the boat. So I was thrown out. Obviously, I, I went under, and when I came up, I was praying. Now, it was not some deep theological mandate. It wasn't like a paragraph of prayer. It was more, Jesus! 
I prayed a prayer like I think Peter prayed when he was going down. You know, he didn't pray like this whole paragraph. Oh, Lord Jesus, how great and wonderful. No, he said, save me. And that's what I was praying when I came up. I didn't know what had hit me, but I was praying like the short, like not even a whole sentence, like a two-word prayer. But immediately, my friend Mike, my best friend, myself, immediately we invited God into the situation. When the storm hits, I mean, you've got to get God involved. And as we pray, it's, it's, it's through prayer. Several things happen through prayer. Uh, I, I think first, it's, it's through prayer that, that we experience God's peace. So you're in a storm, whatever that storm is. Rogue waves hit, you're in the middle of it. As you pray, what do you discover? You discover peace. Now, Philippians, flip, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, Verse 6 um, six and 7. The scripture talks about don't be anxious for anything. It goes on to talk about, you know, present your request to God with thanksgiving. Verse 7 is a, is a key verse. It says this, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. When? When you're praying. So, so through prayer as we engage God... And the process, we, we experience God's peace. It's through prayer that we discover God's direction. So God, should we go to the right or left? How should we move forward? How do we discover that? We discover that through prayer. Listen, I'm telling you today, I don't have all the answers. What's going to happen next for this congregation? I don't know. God's plan's good. We're going to step into that. The only thing I know today is I know who's going to be on this platform bringing the message the next four Sundays. Outside of that... That's really all I know. But this is what I can tell you, that myself, the elders, the church council, listen, we're on our knees, we're on our face seeking God, because I believe through prayer we discover God's direction. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. This is one of my life verses. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. In other words, pray. Invite God into the situation. And the scripture, the last part of verse 6 says, and He'll direct your path. When? When you pray. So through prayer, we, we, we experience God's peace. Through prayer, we discover God's direction. It's also through prayer that we access God's power. Listen, it's how you plug in to the power source. So when the rogue wave hits in your marriage, in your family, as it's hit this congregation, what do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to invite God into the situation. You might be saying, well, okay, how, how do I pray? What do I pray about? I can give you several things. Pray that this congregation continues to be on mission, honoring Christ in this community. Folks, that's why we're here. We're not here for any one person. Though we're glad all of you are here. The mission is greater than that. Pray that we would stay on mission to impact, to glorify Christ in this community. Here's the second thing you pray about. Pray for the Taylor family. Listen, they have their own storm that they're navigating. Pray for them. Pray for the, the pastors, uh, the, the, the staff, the elders, the, the church council members as we're processing, God, what's next? Then engage, partner with us in prayer. So when the rogue storm hits, what do you want? You want to invite God 
into the situation. Here's a third thing that, that I was reminded of or that I discovered again through our boat being flipped. It's this. You need others when the storm hits and wrecks your boat. You don't want to face the storm alone. What do you, you need others. You know, right after the, the wave hit our boat, flipped our boat, we come up out of the water, we're praying, we get back to the boat, captain's not come up, we're trying to find, finally the captain pops up, and we begin to figure out, okay, how, how are we going to work together? I mean, we got a situation here out of our control, what are we going to do? And we began to work together to discover the best plan. The best plan was this, we sent the youngest guy, my nephew, back under the boat to get a rope. We tied a rope from the front of the boat to the back of the boat because we, we were trying to get on the bottom of the boat to have something to, you know, so at least we're out of the water because smart men that we were, none of us had life jackets on. So we're in the ocean without life jackets. Where were the life jackets? Well, they were somewhere stuck up into the front of the boat. I mean, you were men, right? You don't need life jackets like how smart we were. We were in the ocean, keep getting knocked off the boat, so we got this rope and we tied from the front of the boat to the back of the boat so we could at least have something to hang on to because we didn't know how long we were going to be in the ocean. And some of you won't even be old enough to remember this, but years ago there was a movie called Jaws. I saw it when I was like 15. In my mind I hear this music playing as we're bobbing up and down in the ocean. It wasn't good. But what we discovered is we needed each other. We began to encourage one another. Even in the midst of our situation, we began to laugh at and laugh with each other. It was in the each other that we found encouragement, that we found hope in the midst of the storm. So this is what I know. When the rogue wave hits... Maybe more than ever before, what we need each other. As the rogue wave has hit this congregation and so to speak flipped the boat, you need each other. This is a time that we need to stand united, not divided. It's a time that we need to be focused on the purpose that God has placed this congregation in this community. Again, to bring honor to Christ, to make His name known throughout the community. We must stand and we need each other in the storm. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Pity the man who finds himself in a storm when the rogue waves hit hits and the boats flip, pity the man who's there by himself who has no one to stand with him. Listen, in this storm that's hit this congregation, we must stand united. We must stand together. We must stand in faith, united as to, again, the purpose, the mission of this congregation in this community. Here's the fourth lesson I was reminded of when our boat was flipped, and it's this. We have to know that when life is out of control, God's always in control. When life's out of control, God's always in control. As we were in the ocean, boat upside down, um, it's pretty obvious. 
that the ocean was in control. I mean, we couldn't even stay on the bottom of the boat. We, we, we couldn't. You know, I, I thought, you know, I'd re- actually I'd never really been out in the ocean fishing, so this was a whole new experience for me. I, I grew up fishing in the creeks and, you know, canoes. If you flip a canoe, what do you do? You get out and you flip it over and you get in the canoe and you go on down the river. I, at first, this shows you how ignorant I was about this. So I just, I, I said, why don't we just flip the boat? You know, 22 foot boat. Yeah, thousand pounds. We can't even touch Bob. I, 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 that was my first suggestion when we were trying to figure out what to do. I said, hey, let's just flip the boat over. And they said, oh, you can't do that. I mean, we were totally out of control. The storm, the rogue wave that hit, put us in a situation where the ocean became the boss. And it was just like back and forth. And I mean, it was just so evident. The ocean was in control. We were not. And I think so many times when the rogue wave hits, like we feel like, wow, life is so out of control. And maybe it is. But when life is out of control again, God is always in control. In other words, he's consistently, continually, always working for our good. He's consistently bringing about that of of his good plan in our lives and for our lives. You know, in Matthew in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about, you know, how the Father cares for the birds of the air. And, and, and in that passage, he says, hey, don't worry. He said, don't worry about what the future is. Don't worry about, don't be anxious about. And he comes to this. Basically, Jesus' summary is his trust the Father who's always working for your good. So rather than worrying, we need to trust in God's provision. Instead of being stressed, we need to rest in the fact that God's working for our good, even if we can't see it in that moment. Even when life's out of control, hear me, friends. God is always in control. And this is one of the things we see in the story. If you look at the whole of the story of Scripture... Our God is a God who redeems and restores. It's consistent throughout Scripture. Our God is a God who takes our messes and turns them into miracles. Our God is a God who takes our time of testing and turns them into testimonies. The goodness of God. So when life is out of control, may we always remember that God is in control. He's working. He's working on our behalf, which brings me to the fourth and final lesson I learned through my defining moment, July the 22nd, 2009. And it's this, be confident of the fact that God can bring good out of the bad. Confident, good out of the bad. You may be wondering, well, how could God bring good out of a boat being flipped in the ocean? I mean, we lost everything. When the boat went over, everything that was in the boat that wasn't tied down was gone in the ocean. So 11 fishing posts, all of the tackle, cell phones, prescription eyeglasses, wallet. I mean, if it was loose, it was gone. I mean, all of that was lost. Not only that, is the boat, someone finally saw us, towed us into the dock. Um, the boat was a total loss captain lost his boat not only did he lose most of the fishing stuff was his not only did he lose that but he lost his boat total loss you say how could anything good come out of that let me tell you the rest of the story the captain of the boat his name's eric though he was raised in church hadn't been to church in years 
years, I mean like 30, 35 years. I had no interest. I, I would say in my own assessment that Eric was far from God. As a result of his boat being flipped by a rogue wave, as a result of the loss of the stuff that happened in his life, it was like a wake-up call for Eric. Past nine years, he hasn't missed, I'm going to say seven Sundays. He hasn't missed seven Sundays of worship in the past nine years. Today, he serves as the deacon on our Cornelius campus. His life was transformed as a result of a rogue wave that flipped his boat. Now, does a boat have some value? Absolutely. Does a life have more value? It doesn't even compare. That's like comparing a a penny to a million dollars. There's no comparison. His life was trained. What God brought good out of the bad. And this is what I'm confident of this morning. Listen, God will bring good out of this bad. Listen, it's His very nature. Our God is good and He's always working for our good. As I said earlier, I don't have all the answers. I don't stand before you as the great leader who knows what we're going to do. Listen, I don't. Just being honest with you. I don't. Praying about it. I'm seeking God. I know He has an answer. I just got to find the answer. But this is what I'm confident of. Because it's the very nature of who God is and He cannot act opposite of His nature. God is good and He's working for our good. That means even out of the bad, He's going to bring good. So we rest in that. You know, I I shared this verse with you last week. that I want to bring it back and I want to connect in verse 37 to this. Paul wrote these words. Romans 8.28 In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to Him. In all things, even in this situation, God's working what for? Say the word, good, right? God works for the good of those who love Him. But notice, he goes from verse 28 down to verse 37. He says, no, in all these things, that includes the storm, in all these things, Notice what Paul wrote. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. More than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Why? Because of Christ in us. We're more than conquerors because Jesus Christ has defeated death, hell, and the grave. We have the provision of Christ. Christ in us. Christ for us. Therefore, in the midst of this storm, in the midst of this rogue wave that hit this congregation, we with confidence can say, we will not be shaken. A storm's come. A storm's here. It has flipped their boat, folks. That's a reality. But in this time, because of who God is, so there's always going to be stuff around you that's moving and shaking and changing, challenging your life. But what we anchor ourselves to the one who never changes. We anchor ourselves to the one who can do all things. With all things, all things are possible with him. So we're more than conquerors through Christ. Therefore, again, we will not be shaken. But we'll be victorious. And we will not allow the enemies of our souls or the enemy of this church 
to keep us from the mission that God's given to us here in this community. We make this declaration today. We are more than conquerors through Christ. More than conquerors. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, In Jesus, you're more than a conqueror. Go ahead and tell him, In Jesus, you're more than a conqueror. We will not, we will not be shaken. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.